Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And, as we know, Sherry Edwards is off working on the Sound Health Portal. I would suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, scrolling down just a bit, and click on the Watch How button. You'll see a short video explaining how to submit your voice recording. It's real simple, but it's easy. It really makes it much easier to just see the Watch How once. Then go back to the soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to the current active campaigns, such as cellular inflammation, stem cells, or Parkinson's, and choose one that is of interest to you. Click on the campaign and click Free Voice Analysis, and the system will walk you through submitting your recording. You receive an email with your report back usually in one to two hours. I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing it because it's a lot of information. To hear and share replays of this show, 30 to 40 minutes after you hear the outro music, go to talktomeguys.com, scroll down that page, and you'll see, see this show at the top of the episodes page. There are also hundreds of shows available there as well. There's a microphone icon at the bottom right corner of all the show notes. If you'd like to leave me a voice message with a question for a guest or a guest idea for a show, you can do that directly from the site, and I will be notified. With that, Wellness Wiz, Jack Tips, is known around the world for his groundbreaking work in the natural health field, as exhibited in his insightful books, as well as for his comprehensive, effective methods of health restoration. That is, the body's full capacity to adapt and express optimal health. In a huge disservice to humanity, Amazon Whole Foods Market is quietly eliminating single-tube homeopathic medicine from its store shelves nationwide over the next two months, just in time to leave people high and dry for flu season. These are remedies that people rely on at the first sign of an acute illness, sore throat, fever, cough, vomiting, diarrhea, flu, bladder infections, warts, sprains, earaches, colds, and so much more. Jack says, as a practitioner, I rely on these remedies being available so distant clients can get an acute remedy right away. Makes all the difference. Jack Tips joins us to talk about why the warpath against homeopathy. I want to I want to start with not a place that you we we had talked about talking about, but I I realized I'd never asked you this. How did homeopathics come into your view and life? And what about it made you really dig in and become the homeopath that you are today? Well, I think um, I would have to say that, gosh, it was, uh, I've never really told my story. I've always felt a bit private, but um, I think it's very apropos because I think we can not only see the power of homeopathy uh, to change lives and to give people the freedom that is their birthright of, of health and life on earth. But um, we, we can also uh, kind of get the, the path of destiny. So um, I was the uh, proverbial sickly child. I was the kid with the, the doctor's note that exempted me from PE at grade school. I was the kid with the asthma inhaler taped over my mouth like a horse with a feed bag. And um, even though I rode a bicycle, 
and um, moved around, I would say, 10 times a day. I was squirting the albuterol trying to get the breath of life. And so most of my childhood was um, my parents uh, sticking me in the back of the station wagon and driving from Dallas to Ardmore, Oklahoma to go see a doctor, driving me over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or somewhere in the tumbleweeds of Texas, trying to find a doctor uh, who could help. Unfortunately, all these doctors were in the same playbook. They were giving uh, suppressive medications. Back in those days, uh, one was called Tedral and stuff, so I had to take pills and, you know, walk around with kyphosis and um, just was... You know, like I said, the kid always taking a puff, uh, trying to get along. And um, when I got to be a little older, in my teens, my late teens, I really wanted to, uh, we say in Texas, take the bull by the horns. And so I started hanging out at a health food store. And I talked to the old ladies there, and they would argue if, you know, like butter was a good food or what. I read books by Pablo Ariola, Adele Davis. Mm. All those early, early people. So I was a little bit of a weird kid because here I am, 13, 14, 15, and 16 years old, um, hanging out in the natural health world, reading everything, mastering even biochemistry of vitamins, um, the role of minerals in cellular metabolism, and on and on. So I, I finally found my way to herbs. And I, I enrolled in herbal courses and read uh, books, uh, the great uh, basic text, you know, Back to Eden, Dr. Uh, Shook's great work on treatises on herbology. And well, from herbology, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump to get into homeopathy because homeopathy is the essential quality of so many of the plants and minerals and a few animal substances. And so... It was a natural evolution of learning the rudiments, none of which were healing, but to keep moving it deeper and deeper into uh, the realm of healing. Well, while I was learning the rudiments of homeopathy, and I think in my bedroom at that time, I had about 30 jars of vitamins and minerals, and I had Dr. Schusler's cell salts, and I may have had Dr. Edward Bach uh, array, like you know, I think 28 or something of the Bach flower essences. And, you know, my, my room looked like a pharmacy, and you had to know my parents thought I was pretty far gone at that time of, of just being kind of a, a weird dork or something. But um, I kind of rustled it all up that I learned there was a great homeopath, a medical physician, in Dallas, his name was Dr. Robert Shore, S-C-H-O-R-E. And so um, homeopaths are often expensive to go see because they don't have any back end of selling anything that rings the cash register. So I think I had to get in back in my early days, whatever, 100 bucks or 200 bucks or something. And I threw a paper route in Dallas and saved the money. Well, while that was going on, and I was literally a week away from seeing Dr. Shore, um, 
he up and left Texas. He had been blacklisted by the Texas uh, American Medical, the Texas Medical Association, uh, denied hospital privileges, and he found more freedom in San Diego. So now I had to go to San Diego. And so I threw some more papers and got myself to where I could have an air ticket and a place to stay. And finally made the trek as a very young man, now in late teens, to go see Dr. Shore. And I went into my appointment there, and Shore was very, very busy. And I was relegated to someone else named Professor Singh. Well, Professor Singh was a Sikh, and it maybe is a Sikh, so he had the starched white uh, turban on and the bird's nest whiskers and, and very, very stern and severe, and he just stared at me. Boy, I tell you, that eagle eye. And he looked at me, and he asked me only one question. And my qu- he said, do you have hemorrhoids? And I went, no. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, how does a kid know? You know, yeah. so anyway, he took that, and he prescribed for me a single dose of the little white pellets, which they administered to me. And um, that was my remedy. And I went back to my little uh, motel room and immediately went into, um, well, I don't want to scare people, but I had an aggravation to that remedy. Now, part of the the beauty of the aggravation is the aphorism, amelioration, aggravation, cure. Well, I felt the amelioration. That means when I took the pellets into my mouth, I kind of felt a little bit of an electrical zing, like, wow. And my my resistance to healing was all the medications that modern medicine have dumped on me through the many years and all the suppressive activity, probably a lot of the, you know, the albuterol tartrate of the asthma inhalers. So I was kind of, uh, many, in many ways, unprepared to get the the beautiful resonance of the remedy. So I went back and aggravated. And I started wheezing and sitting in a chair, gasping for every breath, my elbows down on my knees. And um, I got Dr. Shore himself on the phone and I said, I am going crazy here. He says, "Uh, Jack, you're aggravating. If you can make it through, if you can go through it, he says, you're going to find a beautiful healing on the other side. I go, how long? (laughs) How long? How long does this last? He says, well, you know, it's hard to say. (laughs) Maybe a few hours as as quick and strong as you're having it. He says, but if if you can't do it anymore, give me a call. I'll, I'll, uh, we'll antidote. And so he gave me some assurance. Well, I sat there all night long. Night was my worst time and gasped literally for every breath. And with the dawn, and ease and so I'm I had a bicycle out there um, it was the one there at the motel and it was downhill to Shore's office which was uh, in Pacific Beach and I rode down from La Jolla uh, toward Pacific Beach all downhill and went to his office I stood at his door I said hello Dr. Shore and he, you know we we said hello and I said I think I I think I need to antidote this. I need to antidote this remedy. I cannot go any longer 
with what I've been struggling. He looked at me and said, you know, you look all right. He said, you're doing all right. I said, no, 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 I have to have an antidote. So he gave me some pills, and I learned later as, as Shore and I became friends that he placeboed me, that he gave me <laughs> pellets that, that had no medicinal quality, but I felt better. And he, he was the master, and he was overseeing my genuine healing. So within a day, I'm just doing great. And I go back to Texas, and um, I notice that over the next six months, maybe I had one or two episodes of some tightness in the chest, but I would say within four to six months, I had no remnants of a chronic degenerative disease called asthma. And wow. it was all gone. And since that date, now this was a little bit more than 50 years ago, so I've, I've been around the block uh, 50 times, and um, that blessing of homeopathy gave me a life. No more the kid with the asthma inhaler, uh, but no, the young man that's out playing tennis and maybe riding bicycles competitively and you know, traveling the world and hiking in altitude and all the wonderful things that life could bring. Uh, just opened up before me. My skinny little string bean frame matured to fill its kinesthetic space, and I came into my own height and weight and, you know, had some meat on the bones. And, and I, I was thinking, you know, I just so appreciate what a beautiful moment of genuine healing, a moment that modern medicine could have never given to me. Not even the taking of all the vitamins and minerals and even the the help that herbs like uh, Grindelia and so forth had afforded me, um, the, the remedy touched into the psyche, into the realm where the fear and the disturbance really was. And it was the perception of Dr. Singh, who I never saw again. I don't remember his first name. Um, he was just on loan uh, to Dr. Shore for about six weeks as they were doing some work together. Um, not everybody might understand that, that India is a bastion of, of respect for homeopathy. I often would say to the East Indians, there's, you know, Shiva, Vishnu, Brahma, and Hanuman. <laughs> that um, <laughs> Hanuman is up there with uh, the deity, but they, by by necessity, by the affordability, and being physicians that were dedicated to one thing, the cure, not the maintenance of a person in disease as a cash cow to purchase drugs. Mm -hmm. So they they had a tradition there very strong and so does England so did Italy and so forth there were other havens of Switzerland uh, around the world and of course in the United States you know with like uh, Dr. Uh, James Tyler Kent and other great homeopaths that came out of the American tradition over the many years since homeopathy which is now right under 250 years since Dr. Samuel Hahnemann founded uh, the homeopathy. So with that being my story, realizing what kind of life 
I would have had uh, someone who is literally would be destroying his lung tissue and destroying his mm-hmm. adrenals with the uh, adrenaline compound called albuterol that uh, and probably an early death as well. we may know that uh, quite along the road of uh, albuterol use uh, we have the the children that are found dead with the the spray stuck in their mouth and that type of thing. So what a, a tremendous blessing. Well, how amazing being a, you know, being a natural health kind of guy, um, you know, as I said, I'd been throwing a paper route and spending it all at a health food store there on the miracle mile in Dallas back in, Oh, 1964, 65 and uh, read, 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 and and so forth. Um, it was sort of the, the shoe that fit. But the, the main thing that I think governs people in natural health that I find is such a different spirit than those that gravitate toward uh, allopathy, the drug medicine, is they have a genuine desire to get themselves out of the way and see the patient get well, see the patient mm-hmm. get the freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, I just speak a little bit cynically on that because when I was in college in Colorado, my fraternity brothers uh, were going into pre-med, and it was all about what discipline is going to make the most money and get the biggest Mercedes and get the country club membership. And you know, none of them wanted research. None of them wanted parasitology. They wanted all – Oh, maybe uh, dermatology, um, okay. you know, maybe something that was easy, you know, like maybe I'll just do, you know, pediatric ears or something. As medicine started yeah. to specialize, um, they they were literally sifting through brazenly, you know, they were not. They were good guys. They were my they were my brothers. They were my fraternity uh, house members, but their interest was, hey, show me the money. And yeah. I think when I've since then, I've seen so much in natural health of people who literally might need to overcome poverty consciousness. They want to give it all away and not have a, a balance between the, the payment and the doctor's expertise and the ability to receive the healing. But it's just been so much more of a, you know, the only thing that matters to the natural health person is what can I do to help this alien human being who's come to me and what can I do? Can I do anything that helps this person's body from within heal itself? Mm -hmm. So that's the foundation. And I, I cite that Richard, because I think that we have an entire two, maybe three generations of people walking the streets with us right now in our society that don't even know the body can heal itself. They might observe that they got a paper cut and sure enough, the body glued it back together, but they don't understand that if they're starting to express symptoms of multiple sclerosis or another, or, or, or any chronic degenerative disease, any autoimmune disease that today, finally the science of epigenetics tells us that the body can cure itself, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't act that way. And it can't cure itself when it's being suppressed. Yeah. So, Well, in, in, all, in all my years of, I, 
I, I had been into health for quite a while before I got my degree as an herbalist at a naturopathic college in Northern California. And I really am, I'm in the same, I believe in the, given the opportunity, the body will heal itself. I think that that's my job as an herbalist is to help people, A, chill out, meaning they need nervines or something because there's a lot of nervousness in the world now. And I think a little bit of valerian and other beneficial things are always good to the system. But it's the same idea. That's why I think we've talked numerous times and we're kindred spirits very much in that I feel that my thing is to help people give their body the opportunity to do what it knows how to do. So clear away all that stuff. And I'm thinking about you as a child on albuterol for such a long, ridiculous time, what that would do to the system to set it up to have illness later. The adrenal stress, what it's doing to the immune system, your, your body's already uh, always in flight or fight. I mean, I just can't imagine that. So I'm so happy that you discovered homeopathy. Oh, you know, you're, uh, Richard, you, you said something quite profound. And where I had said that um, the body has an innate ability to heal itself, uh, I think you took it to another dimension and, and one that I'm very excited about, and that is the body craves its own healing. The body mm-hmm. has the uh, internal innate wisdom, and it is seeking to express the most optimal health possible. The, the problem with the people that are sick and infirm is they've entered into confusion. Their, their systems, their innate vitality doesn't know the way out. And there's a lot of reasons for this, from the toxins in the environment to the, the degenerated food supply uh, to the stress of our 21st century lives, uh, on and on, um, and certainly to the emotional traumas that we all endure, even right today, as the, the world seems to have several wars going on and um, different angst and worries of people throughout our society. So there, there's many uh, obstacles, including sedentary lifestyles, that would start to render the body where it says, hey, the best thing I can do is have these symptoms, these migraines. The best thing I can do to try to maintain equilibrium is develop uh, degenerative nerves or something. And uh, Mm -hmm. the, the symptoms, the pain is screaming, help me heal, help me heal. And so in in the human condition, we learned, um, who was it? John Dunn, who said, no man is an Island. Mm -hmm. Um, We really all depend in some facet on the healers. One of our concerns today and for the last seven or eight years has been the overt attack on the genuine healers. That that is seems so uh, fundamentally wrong as um, I don't usually assign things as good or evil, but I think for general vernacular, it's a great evil. Yeah. That anyone who's trying to take away a person's birthright to their health and and get them dependent on one system and get them addicted. Mm-hmm. And I think it was only a foreshadowing when we saw um, the rise of the mass at opiate addictions and all the deaths that came from that. Um, 
And we'd already been through that with Vioxx. And we'd already yeah. been through horrible things with DES. So the legacy mm. of, of medicine uh, to poison and kill people is, is quite ignoble. Mm-hmm. But to force people into that bailiwick only is um, a, a, a genuine uh, massive disservice. Mm-hmm. So having and when I the, and when I had the I had partners in an herb store in Monterey Peninsula, and we had a lar- one of the largest selections of botanicals in the Western United States. Wow! And about every six to eight months. Two to three guys, typically guys, I don't ever actually remember a woman ever coming in and doing this, would come in in their wingtips. And as soon as you saw wingtips in an herb store in the 80s, you knew you were in trouble. And they would come in and they were from the FDA. And they'd want us to make sure that we had the herbs labeled. They had a list of like seven out of 500. And they wanted a jar, a label on the jar that said not for consumption and with some other warnings. And I would say, okay, yes, fine, we did that. Look, these are all labeled. And then I'd point out six or eight other herbs on the shelf that would be equally, if not more, possibly hazardous if they weren't given to them by somebody who knew what to do with them. And they were like, well, we don't care about that. It's not on our list. And that always blew my mind. Just like, what? (laughs) That just is an amazing concept. Yeah. Yeah, the beauty yeah. of those drastic herbs is they can be powerful healing tools in the hands of a capable herbalist, and yeah. likely drastic herbs uh, fall and also as homeopathic remedies. And so mm-hmm. Hahnemann had got a way to minimize, um, um, let's say, the unwanted side effects and maximize the, the healing power. Right. Now I want to I want to jump slightly. I know where we're going, and I promise we'll get there. But I want to ask a couple of setup questions. I want to ask you about what is the genus Epidemicus, because I think people really need to know about this. One of the things they need to know. Well, it's um, when there's an epidemic, like Epidemicus, um, the doctors, the homeopaths all over the world, you know, talk amongst themselves. There, you might say there's the old internet chat rooms and forums. And we start learning in our own homeopathic community that let's say 80% of the cases of the winter flu is quickly resolved by the remedy called Belladonna or quickly resolved by the remedy called Arsenicum Album. Um, or if the hallmark of the illness is deep, deep chills and people just freezing and soaking in hot, hot tubs of water and stuff. We might look at Kimphora um, and, and other remedies. But they study this, and the season starts in Australia. Uh, they get the first flu of the year because uh, their seasons are opposite ours up here. And we start watching and going, oh, okay, these strains of flu, they go to the lungs, they uh, cause a cough, we're going to... 80% of them are cured with the, the remedy Bryonia. And then they'll announce that Bryonia seems to be a good genus, uh, Epidemicus. And it's a commonality that we're not, you know, in homeopathy, there's a saying, you don't treat the disease, you treat the person. 
But what they observe is that under the onslaught of that flu, that most people go through the same hoops they jump through. They go through the same symptoms. It, it blindsides them. It drops into the chest. There's a risk of pneumonia um, and all of that that goes with the influenza of the year. And so when anytime there's an epidemic or pandemic, there's something called a genus epidemicus, and it just means the most universal remedy. When COVID broke out, the genus epidemicus for Europe was arsenicum. Um, more toward India, it was camphora. And I believe over out of Hong Kong research, um, they were they were doing gelsimian. And so we've got these different strains or different types of genetics that are trying to adapt and respond and survive um, the onslaught of something like that. So in our homeopathic circles, we were talking about the genus Epidemicus. Now, there's another use that perhaps I'm uh, involved in with the word genus Epidemicus, and that means the no-sode of the virus. Uh, no-sode meaning an attenuation, a dilution of uh, disease tissue. So you could get uh, sputum from someone or, or snot or something from someone with COVID. And in the homeopathic pharmacies, you know, it's very scientific. It's done over at the Louis Pasteur Institute in France. Um, they would attenuate having identified that and be able to give us a remedy that is universal for that strain of COVID. And so hmm. we could loosely call that a genus epidemicus, but it's really just the SARS-CoV-2 no-sode. Um, I'd put out in some of my publications uh, the, the genus epidemicus because I was skittish about saying there's a remedy for SARS-CoV-2 um, because we saw the witch hunt that Big Pharma launched uh, through uh, the U.S. government and uh, WHO and AMA and all of that because they all had uh, bukoodles of uh, vaccines um, to sell for bukoodles of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to denigrate the people that actually believe that those things are the best that we can do. They're, to me, they're clearly second best. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm the U.S. government gave to its people was the second best. You know, since when are Americans second best people? Or Australians yeah. or Italians or, or British or, or, you know, Chinese anywhere. Uh, when does anyone want to settle for second best? Gosh, you know, go to a soccer match. <laughs> but that's what they did to us. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. the, the genus epidemicus just means hey, you've got a darn good chance that that remedy is going to help you, particularly if you manifest the symptoms germane to that remedy. And that's why it's good to know a homeopath, because while we were slinging uh, the genus Epidemicus uh, to people as fast as we could to help, every once in a while there would be a person that wasn't quite on board with that set of symptoms. They were having... Uh, a different constellation, and that calls for a different remedy. Remember, you treat the person, not the disease. 
But the, the genus epidemicus is as close as we can come to saying, oh, you got the disease, take the remedy. It's a beautiful thing because it streamlines and it lets people act uh, prophylactically, and that just means act in advance. And so in the last seven years, the concept of homeoprophylaxis, taking a remedy before you get sick because it's going around right now in the human gene pool, that it's going around in the human global consciousness. And so we could come up with um, taking remedies in advance. I call them preparedness. So right now, mm-hmm. the two leading strains, the, the homeopathic pharmacies have given us remedies, the, the no-sos, or you could loosely call it a genus epidemicus. And people can take those now, and it prepares their system. Their innate vitality has now got the picture. It knows the spike profile. It's got the resonance pattern. So just like uh, all the, the voice ID things they're trying to do to people right now to really be sure that each person not only has their own personal tracking device attached to their body, in the form of a cell phone, but that they also, their unique vocal resonance is also logged into the the fingerprint database. So, but that frequency is um, now, uh, the immune system is very aware of it. So when the people doing the preparedness, uh, taking the remedy before they run into let's say the virus by getting on an airplane or going to a family gathering or, you know, hanging out at the mall or whatever. Um, they, they take this remedy and you might think of it very similar to taking a, uh, an allergy shot to, mm-hmm. to get ready to meet that pollen. Or you could think of it in terms, um, it's loosely as a, a vaccine, but a vaccine without adjuvants, a vaccine without side effects, a vaccine without the risk of death, a vaccine without the risk of chronic degenerative diseases coming in its wake, without vascular diseases coming in its wake. And so it's safe and effective. And then someone's going to stand up right now when I say the remedy is effective and they go, where's your research? Where's your research? And I will humbly say, there was a study of 2 million people conducted in Cuba, I believe in 2007, uh, during the leptospirosis uh, epidemic. And you can read about this online. And homeopathy was way up there at like 90% effective. And vaccines were down there about 30% effective. And there's many other sightings or recitations. We have journals from physicians in the Napoleonic Army dealing with cholera, literally where homeopathy was used on the left bank of the river, and <laughs> that was had the cholera, and allopathy used on the other side of the right side of the river, and the homeopaths having, you know, like 90, 93% cure rate and, and forestalling death. And the, the drug people were 
you know, losing 20, 30% of the people, maybe more. And so there's just been a long, long history. So for anyone to say, show me the proof, it's just someone that hadn't bothered to lift their finger because mm-hmm. the proof is there. Now, your good friend uh, Google will manage to suppress that data and push it down. It'll be the 53,000 study that you'll have to look at to get to. But if you'll use a DuckDuckGo or some other uh, browser, um, it'll come right up. You can do uh, Cuban leptospirosis and homeopathy. And many of us in homeopathy, we collect a little bit of, you know, the recitation, the journal article, the, the epidemic in England where they were they treated a lot with homeopathy. And uh, the point I'm making here is that one says, oh, well, why? Why would Big Pharma literally spend big billions of dollars, or it's probably millions, um, to persecute homeopathy? Why would it be at the top of their list? And I think we simply have to do what uh, the great detectives know, follow the money. That that's one of my, that's one of my uh, handles online, follow the money. Just follow the money. It, is, it, it's yeah. a, it works. Homeopathy works. It works. It's a yeah. legitimate threat. If you can imagine that if um, – pretend instead of Dr. Fauci – um, who seemed to equivocate on everything and is now re- recognized as a billion-dollar profiteer from COVID. Um, you know, pat him on the back. He's a billionaire. Um, what if they'd chosen you and me, Richard? And, you know, mm-hmm. here Joe says, come on up here to Washington. How can you protect this country? How much money do you need? And I would say, yeah, you got five bucks? Because the remedy, once you acquire the remedy, it like a cassette tape. And if, if most people are too young in your audience to know what that is, it's a CD. <laughs> tape. Yeah. And if that's too yeah. much, it's an online streaming download. But the, the fact is it's duplicatable, duplicatable, duplicatable to infinity that these remedies, these medicines, um, properly succussed, uh, a word of agitation, and diluted and or just uh, duplicated or called cloning, that the one remedy, we have one remedy in homeopathy that came from a reptile uh, down in uh, French Guiana in, at in the 1890s. It's called lachesis. From the Bushmaster. Well, that particular uh, snake was was pretty ornery and very big and very potent. But a remedy was made because our dear Dr. Herring almost died from it. He wasn't bit. He died from the vapors of working Mm -hmm. with the venom. And his wife patiently sat by his bed and watched him suffer. Oh, gosh. Uh, She took notes about what was happening to his Mm. vascular system and what was happening to his thoughts and how loquacious he became at times and and created the Materia Medica for that particular remedy. Well, that remedy, of which there's probably only a few drops in existence today, gosh, we're 120 
four years later, um, it's all cloned off that one one mean, nasty uh, Bushmaster. Wow. And that may creep people out because it's a, it's a reptile, but I'll say right now 90% of the remedies come from our our friendly plant kingdom on this this planet. Um, but that's just an example of how a, a remedy that can no longer be duplicated, uh, the snake's not around, they can't make a fresh batch, but that remedy is still powerfully effective today as it just goes on and on with each pharmacy mm-hmm. uh, making enough of it cloning enough of it to fill the world with batches. So one little bit of a remedy from Louis Pasteur uh, could have taken care of the United States. We wouldn't have had to have refrigerated trucks. We wouldn't have people dying uh, from the injection. We wouldn't have to run a mass uh, documentation uh, system. We wouldn't have to threaten people. We wouldn't have to censor the Internet. We wouldn't have to have the billions of dollars that the hardworking taxpayer suddenly jammed into Big Pharma and made another hundred billionaires on this planet. We're, you know, our taxes are supporting these fat cat people, and they're reveling in their their brilliance and their success. Right place, right time. But they're doing mm-hmm. things at the expense of humanity. So some of us might. You know, us feet people might turn up our noses a little bit, but um, <laughs> so I, that's why I'm saying it's second best because we could have gotten that that frequency and a medicine to every child, every person, every elderly where they were dropping like flies. Everybody could have had the preparedness and their immune system ready to react before that virus could have suddenly jumped down in the lungs and before the cytokine storms and all of that. You see, the homeopathic medicine works on that humoral or innate response. So when you take a remedy like that, you're not developing or forcing the development of antibodies. And I think that's the gold standard for medicine. Do you have antibodies? Show me your blood. You know, I need to see your antibodies to to COVID. And then you say, what COVID? The first strain, the second strain, the third strain, the fourth strain, the sixth strain. Where? What? What? What do we need? How many? How many of these antibodies do we have to keep cranking? Whereas if you use the the remedy, you've got it for, you know, carte blanche, more strains. And without the risk, so that could have been handled. And the science is there. That's the thing. Um, The science is standing there for people to see with the homeopaths, great medical physicians all over the world that have chosen to practice homeopathy. Everyone could have rallied around the homeopath. And we could have covered the area. I think early on with the first round of COVID, India did accept a a genus epidemicus as part of their strategy. And the homeopath there chose arsenicum album, the remedy. And they started giving that to the population. Of course, this would be the population that wanted homeopathic medicine. They weren't 
handing it out like candy at the grocery store. Um, and but the people that received the remedy were suddenly glowingly in a different category, different level of illness if they got sick, and a mostly avoidance. So what we hear about homeoprophylaxis is, to me, it's very anecdotal. I have that scientific mind where I'm not going to pretend something is scientific when it's not. It hands to the rigors. But people will call and say, oh, uh, the only two people in my family, uh, my daughter and I, we took the remedy. Everybody else got sick, but we didn't. You know, I go, yeah, that's not really proof, but sure is nice. It, it could be. And, uh, but I hear this again and again and again, <laughs> and you know the next word, and again. Um, <laughs> Well, I think that uh, way back you said this really wonderful thing that taking the genus Epidemicus, in my words, gives the body a hint, a clue to be, so it's aware of this thing exists. Yeah, the matrix. So when it, it, if and when it does get exposed, it's not like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. And all you know, in the Disney movies, there would be little you know gnomes and suits pulling levers. But I mean that the immune system has a already a clue that this thing exists and it and in some way I'll say thinking but I don't really mean that is beginning to look at that and poke at it with a stick in its own interesting body maintenance way of like oh we know what that is we can deal with that or it doesn't yeah, or, it or you already have that in your system and you don't have a reaction to it and I don't mean right, the homeopathic right. I mean exposure you don't yeah you don't have a cytokine storm and that's what right. was killing people. And then they were shoving those respirators down people's throats and jamming mm. that virus right through the lung membrane into the blood. Oof. I mean, come on. Yeah. People were dying on the respirators like crazy. And, uh, and of course, they were quarantined and you couldn't go in. And, you know, we lost I, – I, I lost friends to mm-hmm. that. You know, I think we might look back and say, gosh, the luck of the draw there. Uh, someone got it. Someone was put in ICU. There was no access to that person by the family, and that person died alone with the respirator shoved down their throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our society says, that's not murder. That's just luck of the draw. So yeah. That's, uh, and then, you know, I don't want to have any aspersion toward the wonderful nurses and the doctors that were working around the clock doing what they believe to help people. The, sometimes they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but there were many, many people of honor and nobility and good intentions trying to help, like first responders on 9-11. You know, their, their job was to serve, and um, that's totally different than the fact that we're under a global delusion of uh, – pharmacology which has very very poor statistics and yet we're supposed to put that on the pedestal and allow a dictatorship to form because we're like sheep to the abattoir we're being driven by fear mm-hmm. and so maybe today richard and your show it's uh wait a minute you don't need to be afraid that's not our our history and sure enough when you know, when your number gets pulled, um, your number gets pulled. But the glowing 
massive success of homeoprophylaxis. So here's what happened. I wanted to let people know that they're the latest two strains um, that, that science, that homeopathic science, had figured they, the spikes were in such a different part of the DNA sequence, that uh, the RNA sequence, that we needed to have two remedies. Well, that's confusing. You know, you got to take one on Monday and one on Tuesday. But we're in the past, we've always just had one. But they said, no, we need to, you don't know what you're going to get. Air travel is going to bring the other one. You think this is in your community, but now somebody shows up for Thanksgiving. Um, you've got to, and if you're going to travel and all, you should have both. And so I put into the link from uh, a lead page to the website, Apple a Day Press, where people could acquire uh, at a very minimal cost. And sure enough, uh, the bots, the uh, AI, uh, evidently has that word. So homeoprophylaxis, I know you can't even pronounce it, and you know, shame on you if you think it's about contraception, but um, homeoprophylaxis, <laughs> um, if that goes out, then uh, Microsoft was the first uh, you might say Nazi, the first uh, suppressor of freedom, uh, and their um, their browser um, started flagging, and it actually put a tag on my website saying this is uh, inappropriate for viewing, right. And stuff like that. So we have to realize that homeopathy is so frightening to the the billionaire money agenda and the power grab to control human destiny and to control people's health that there is active vigilance now um, that um, gosh, where's the ACL when we need them? You know, this is this is inhibiting our founding freedom of speech. This is not yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. This is shouting peace and love and, and harmony. And by golly, here's something the science says is more effective. May I please tell you about it? And that's just completely being blocked. Yeah. So I've had it reminds me. It reminds me very much of the of the days. Having I was in the ozone industry for a long time. Water purification designing systems for resorts and spas that didn't want chemicals. They just wanted to have clean water for their guests to use. And I then went, started attending meetings on medical conferences in Southern California because all over the world, except in the United States, people were using ozone for medical practice, IV ozone and other ways of getting into the body. And there was a long time there where it was illegal to do ozone in any kind of medical way in the United States. Now, illegal, I can't say, I mean, I know doctors that lost their offices because they were doing ozone IVs or anything with ozone. It's very akin to vitamin C in a certain way. That was frowned upon for a long time. I think homeopathics is in that same category of it's a great thing that could have great benefit for many, if not everyone, and yet... The narrow wells are like, no, you shouldn't have the, you shouldn't be using that, like ozone. You shouldn't be using that. That's really bad. It's dangerous. 
And I think the danger is that it cuts back on profit margins for companies that everybody can fill in the blank. I you know, say. back in the 70s, it was more uh, live and let live. And, you know, if you want to choose that, um, the market should write itself. I mean, that's what call you call laissez-faire capitalism, that yeah. if I have a, a remedy and it doesn't work, <laughs> pretty soon people are going to find out and I'm going to go out of business. You know, it takes care of itself was the idea. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, today, this dogging of people that just want to reach for something, and, and certainly if it's a doctor of integrity, they're going to get their own results. I've always kept uh, statistics of, is this working? How well is this working? Give me 10 people, and let's see how, how many get cure, and, and holding the cure as the only benchmark, not oh, I'm a little ameliorated, uh, less frequent, but let's get down and help the body do what it really wants to do. And that's right. It's such a radical idea. Right. You're such a radical. I know. Right? <laughs> Helping well, the body. <laughs> it's How radical. so absolutely logical mm-hmm. and normal to me that I literally have spent much of my life Jaw dropped aghast that somebody went and got frightened and took a suppressive drug before they ever tried to go ahead and help their body right itself. You know, whether they wanted to go to an herbalist or a, a naturopath or a homeopath or an acupuncturist, uh, you know, there's certain things that. Um, People, I think, have a responsibility to their body to try. And then when all else fails, there's always the, the suppression where you would say, well, if you take this horrible drug, you're not going to wear your joints away with rheumatoid arthritis, um, and we're going to give you more time in your body with, with your joints and, and not the horrible pain of inflammation. You know, that finally becomes the palliation of the disease that may be the best that anyone can find for that person. But, you know, um, definitely people don't go down swinging anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's to their own detriment. Right. So that's the message is uh, the body can heal itself. Um, There are great modalities that do better. And I'm, I'm saying better. I don't want people thinking that herbology or homeopathy or clinical nutrition or acupuncture or any of that is second best. They're, they're, they're viable. And it's just that they now uh, directly uh, affront profitability. Because um, as, as COVID took off, the... And, and despite the suppression, and isn't that a great law of life, Richard, that when you suppress something, it just comes back with a vengeance or it actually helps it spread. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the, the serial killer wanting exposure on TV, so the media jumps all over it and, and makes them, you know, and then you have all the mimics pop up and right. like, thanks a lot for that. So anyway, um, the suppression to bring more and more people out of the woodwork and homeopathy is having an unprecedented growth right now and I would say for any of your listeners 
that have an interest that you need to have remedies. You need to have your remedy kit and you get it sequestered in your home because um, the thing that recently that got your attention, um, Richard, was that um, Amazon's uh, Whole Foods market made an announcement that they were taking homeopathic medicines off their shelf. Um, That was a big alarm to me because if, uh, let's say, one of your listeners were to call me for homeopathic advice and they were in uh, Poughkeepsie or they were up in, uh, you know, Idaho, I would say, oh, get over to the local health food store. Get over to Whole Foods. They're everywhere. And you can grab this remedy. You got your first aid, you get it the same day. You're not waiting um, three days for what the U.S. Post Office calls next day delivery um, or priority mail. Um, you know, I'm nothing worse than being sick and waiting three days to get your remedy. And by that time, you know, you should have sunk or swum anyway. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great, great disservice to not have homeopathic medicines at your fingertips throughout our society. Now, Sprouts Market, bless them, um, I believe is picking up some of the slack. I don't know if they're actually going to increase their homeopathics, but they do maintain them as available. So if, if someone's near Sprouts, then when little Johnny gets a sore throat – you can run down and, and get his remedy or an earache or or something, and then you don't have to. Your first choice doesn't have to be to <laughs> – what I was laughing at the other day, uh, a child had a, a cough, and the doctor says it's viral, so he put her on an antibiotic. Mm. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way an antibiotic treats that virus. And now you're destroying the gut microbiome and you're impinging the immune system. And you just rang the cash register at the threat of your child's life for big pharma. You know, you just bought a something scary from a shill. So um, that's what they're doing. And uh, there was well, it's like, and it's like your story. I, I'll jump back to your story about how you discovered homeopathy, and you got off of albuterol. The long-term effect and the stuff that I talked about is gnarly. Long-term effect oh, of albuterol and all the other drugs that they use and yeah, yeah. No, I haven't bought it. I have not bought a drug. Of course, my parents were buying it back then, but I would say within my lifetime, I've bought drugs. I've not been a customer of certain industries. I've not yeah. been a customer of McDonald's. Um, I've not been Very. a customer of the pharmaceuticals. You know, I, I'll buy, I spend yeah. my money on other things. It's not that I'm not a good consumer in a consumer society. I'm just not buying from those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm shocked to find we're at the time when I there's only about another hour and a half of questions. Um, I do have one question. I have to ask this because a guest emailed me before the show, and she wanted to know what your thoughts were on thymuline. Well, that's of, fine. Yeah, thymuline is uh, okay. an extract of the thymus gland, and 
uh, they'll turn it into a homeopathic medicine. Uh, and from my, the research I did on it, it was like the 9C and the 12C are particularly good. But what you're doing there in using um, a hormone that's been put into potency so it has no side effects is that you're getting some balance in the immune system. In other words, what they call the TH1, TH2 push-pull immunity. Um, mm-hmm. So if people take thiamine, they're they're waking up their immune system, but it's the whole immune system. I remember so much when um, the um, FDA went on a witch hunt at the time of COVID for anyone saying that you could stimulate the immune system, that you could boost the immune system, that you could improve the immune system. They went into anybody's website that did that and shut them down. And they issued like about 50 letters to natural health practitioners to keep them on the straight and narrow that there was no science that could prove. And yet you go over to the Cleveland Clinic and sure enough, they talk about boosting your immune system, supporting your immune system just fine because they're under the the bailiwick of pharma. Um, But um, thymoline gives you some balance there. Now that's important because not only are you vigilant, but you're not driving one part of the immune system. And this is a big danger of the vaccine, driving the one part of the immune system that makes antibodies, uh, not the humoral or the innate immune system initial first response. So you're not looking at the first responders where all the problems were happening with cytokine storms. And so the thymoline um, is reputed to help with that balance, that your, your TH2 doesn't run away from your TH1 and vice versa. And we're in our society, we're way out of balance because we live in a state of chronic inflammation. People are eating their chips and the, the seed oils, the vegetable oils that have been, you know, refined like jet fuel in a, in defractionating machines and so forth. And we call it, oh, and good old corn oil, but um, Mm. these highly inflammatory uh, dietary patterns, people having aspartame, uh, NutraSweet in their soft drinks and on and on that just kind of keep a low smolder going, that immune system is already so riled up when you have COVID come along, uh, that system is already so out of balance that it's knee jerk it just blasts the cytokines. You know, it's, it's fight or flight on the immune system. Mm-hmm. Thymoline helps to rebalance that. And so there are uh, movements within homeopathy to help people uh, prepare, like for the winter flu. Um, every year, the homeopathic pharmacies release a nosode called Influenzina. They study the, the top three to five strains coming out of Australia that are going to go global this fall, this, this winter, and they'll, they'll put it on the market, and it's called Influenzinum. So the savvy natural health person can take a few pellets of Influenzinum, or I think it's much superior to take it three times a week in a, a liquid dropper bottle, and you prepare yourself for the main, um, you know, the 80% of what you're likely to get if you get the flu. So there's people that have done that 
every year. And boy, do I have some anecdotal research that shows the power of that practice. We did an entire Waldorf school with extended families. We had over 300 people uh, winterize, and I did this with the help of a medical doctor. And we went into a huge influenza epidemic here in Austin, and none of those kids had any problem. You know, they had good food. They went and did whatever they wanted. They cooked their remedy, and they were prepared, and they had, they had no problem. And this is across all 300 people. Wow. So that goes beyond anecdote um, and into the efficacy. So anyway, so that'll, that remedy comes due usually, uh, I, I say, maybe sometimes a half a step late for Halloween when the kids get the sugar shock and mm-hmm. get the sniffles right after and they're, they're more susceptible to the flu. Um, but usually late October, early November, uh, we'll get our 2023 influenzinum. And so people will hear about that and if that's a, a thing they want to do. Well, what do they do right now? Um, mostly last year's flu now has faded. So there, there's only marginal value to taking last year's influenzinum. Um, except that this year's may not be that different. But what we do now is that you can take thymoline. And so, and it's a liquid remedy, you know, and, um, and, and the way that I work with it, it'll be a liquid remedy and people can take it three times a week and just they have a, a strengthening of their immune system. Then the influenzinum remedy would come and they go right through the winter and they don't, you know, despite getting their feet wet and, icy sleep down the back of their shirts. Uh, everybody will stay healthy and happy and warm by the hearth um, uh, for the winter. So that's, our, that's a homeopathic approach. It's not lining up um, for that, uh, what Dr. Eleanor Bean called the poison needle. Um, they're not lining up for that, that jab at the grocery store and then having their arms swell and they're feeling a fever for two or three days. And then they find out they get the flu anyway. I think last year's flu vaccine was like 17% effective when we actually looked at the, the real research and not the, you might say more loosely interpreted, but, uh, and that's not much payback, you know, so the person gets a strain that they didn't get the antibodies for. Right. And so, you know, there's, 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 like I said, that's second best. That's nice. That's good. Sometimes, you know, a person might need something like that, but um, there's a better way and it's actively being persecuted. And I guess Amazon rolled over to big pharma and gosh, when you have, when you're slinging the trillions, um, you, you've got a lot, a lot of clout. And so I'm just saying, this is the beginning of the end. Uh, at this time, the grassroots people will always have their remedies and, um, you know, they start running a fever. They're going to take their remedy. They're going to be well the next day and mums the word. And um, other other people, sadly, you know, will, will suffer mm-hmm. and have to wait in line to be told they need an antibiotic for a virus. So... You know, what do they say? Uh, <clears throat> my people suffer for lack of, for, for ignorance, for lack of information. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
and that's and, where the go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying that's where pharmacology is driving us. Nobody wants to learn their biochemistry and and that type of thing, and they're just gonna take it as the talking head on TV says, "Hey, it's time to go get your shot, or it's time to take this drug," yeah. and and uh, oh, it's only three percent of dying from it. That's okay. It's yeah. always the other guy. <laughs> yeah, they depend on <laughs> the the other guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I have two questions for you because we are wrapping. I'm surprised I'll we got this far. <laughs> no, is the is the uh, no no? These are simple questions. This is where can people find out more about your work, and do you work with people online or by phone? Yes. Um, it, when we understand remedies treat the person, not the ailment, it's not just a matter of shucking out. Uh, necessarily the genus epidemicus it's usually uh, number one people can get the genus epidemicus or the nosodes yes we're happy to support people um, if a person is ill they need to have the remedy that fits their case and that means a few minutes of talking on the phone and 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 get that and then hopefully they have a remedy kit at home and go right to it and you know have a have a quick quick uh, a turnaround. So it's a it's a clinical practice like um, you know any clinical practice trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And also I'll put um, in the show notes I'll put both your website thewellnesswith.com and the ever great site appleadaypress.com and another of my favorite of your sites is the quirkyhealthtips.com. Uh-huh. Those are all great sources. Yeah, I think around October 20th, I'm taking the Apple a Day Press um, listings on what we've been talking about. I'm going to take them down. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I've already been censored once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, live and learn. Uh, <laughs> That's the theory. <laughs> and uh, But I tell you, uh, I think there's a whole different integrity, you know, not trying to uh, jam out a – what do they call it? A bundled offer or something like that in marketing. Um, uh, it's really one-on-one, and I don't know. I don't necessarily want to try to get around that because I don't want to play for eighty percent. You know, I, I would want to be up there at the highest number possible. So it's usually best if someone would email me and say, "Hey, where do I find out about this remedy?" And then I have a personal mm-hmm. relationship, and I will then yeah. personally use my time to reply and say, here's where you can go learn more and here's where you can get it. And then mm-hmm. it's their their choice. But then there's a little bit more of that doctor patient relationship as to some as opposed to someone who bundled a package and and don't care about uh, the individual. Now that's really yeah. the other thing about homeopathy. It is an individual relationship with a practitioner, it's not a a conveyor belt, and I just I, yes. sometimes I'm so jealous. I'm teasing, but the medical practice <laughs> where you can go, you know, five people in an hour and mm-hmm. tell them all to go shut up and you know take uh, Cipro. <laughs> yeah, take this and hey, talk to hey, me in two take weeks. Take a broad spectrum. Yeah. take a fluoroquinolone broad spectrum antibiotic and you know, call me in a few days, and they just yeah. bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam. Bam, yep, and it's yep. like, oh, gee, I've had a whole half day at work. I didn't even have to use my brain. 
So it's just yeah. a different orientation. Very much so. All right, Jack, this has been great. I think we have to do this a little more often so we stay caught up. But we will <laughs> I will put all the links in the show notes, and I will send you, Jack, the link to the show so you can repost it on your site because it's always well, we always concerned. have great conversations. I'm concerned for the winter because we just saw the new vaccine being touted on TV, and it's actually for a strain of COVID that's already come and gone. So mm-hmm. the new vaccine, they're, they're, they're sort of pretending that it's kind of effective for one of the strains. And, yeah, not too bad. It'll minimize your, your illness on the other. But, I mean, the bottom line is it's not spot on. And yeah. here we are moving toward the season. And um, someday we'll have to talk about how vaccines likely are the, the driving force of the mutation of the, the covid um, the virus is going to work around it. It is gaining a function. You lay up a vaccine, it's going to figure out how to work around it. So yeah, it's that, that's what they do. So, they keep yeah, evolving. It's a perpetual arms race, yeah. and that whole thing goes away when we embrace the, the wonders of Dr. Samuel Hahnemann from mm-hmm. 250 years ago about how to treat a human being. So, well, yeah. Richard, it's just been such a joy to visit with you. Thank you so much. I hope there's some efficacy so for mm-hmm. some of your listeners. And till next time. I think so. Sure. Yes. Thank you very much. And everybody else, have a great rest of the weekend. Bye. Bye-bye.